All right, we're back. It's season four. It's the start of a new journey. And, you know, a shorter journey, but a great journey nonetheless. We're the New Blood Rising podcast, entering season four. A new take this week, no pun intended. A new take this season, as we're taking a look at one of our favorites, The Undertaker, and his streak at WrestleMania. And it's not even really, it's called The Streak, but we're including the ones that are technically after the streak's broken, of course. So maybe it's not aptly named, but you get the idea. I'm William Rinkin, joined, of course, by Jason Kiesler. Hey, everybody. Charlie Stabile. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Hi. So we are f- less than a minute in, and we already have our first taker impression. <laughs> We're off and running. And that was Bret Hart. <laughs> man, that was good, though. I, that made me think of taker. That's good. All right, and of course, finally to round it out, over in the UK, Martin Dixon. That's the monkey? <laughs> we... <laughs> Wow. Martin, can you give the backstory on this bit? Because it's going to get over. Yes. Um, we were uh, Prior to recording, we were talking about um, sort of general <laughs> movies, and the, the career of Peter Jackson came up. And the we were talking about the his version of King Kong from 2005 and how in the marketing materials running up to that, they refused to show Kong up until like the, either the last trailer or like actually you know, when the film released and the premise, what well, promise was that this, you know, this CGI gorilla is going to be the greatest thing ever. Um, I, and some people went to see the movie, saw how uninspiring the actual CGI Kong was. And a few of us did turn to each other and go, that's the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in the con. And what's great about it is like, you can totally use that phrase to sum up whenever you've had a great buildup to something and then all of a sudden you see it in its totality and you're like oh not what i expected a little disappointing summed up better as that's the monkey (laughs) (laughs) i need to get something over this series you're off to a good start so here we are so charlie was the one who brought this idea to the forefront that we needed to do this and we should do this because it would be a nice transition. The first three seasons of this podcast have been, you know, us going through, you know, pay-per-view after pay-per-view, which anybody who's out there who does podcasts, that gets exhausting. I think I know by the end of season three, I was petered out. I was done. I was like, man, I need a break. And I was at the same time thinking, well, what, what's going to be something to come back with? And I liked this idea because this feels like a little bit lighter fare, a lot more, a little bit more fun of a fare because, you know, we're getting to, we're going to talk about the guy that we do more impressions of than anybody besides Bret Hart. So, um, it's exciting. And so with each of us, like what we're going to be doing to kind of give you the, 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 the layout again is each of us are going to talk about one of Undertaker's matches. Each episode of the podcast this season is going to be broken up into fours. We're going to do, so this, today we're going to be talking WrestleMania 7, WrestleMania, WrestleMania 8, WrestleMania 9, and then WrestleMania 11. And then we'll pick up next episode with WrestleMania 12 and go with another four. And the idea is to kind of just go through and chart the match. like And not even just the match, but where the character was and b- before leading into it. How did he come out of it? What's kind of the legacy of the match? Of course, we'll be trying to keep a tally. We'll try and keep an order of... At the end of each episode, where does each match fall like in a grander in our list of top to bottom best to worst in terms of Taker's WrestleMania matches? So 
It's exciting. Like, did you guys, like, I just want to kind of bat this around before we start. As opposed to going through and doing an entire pay-per-view, how did this feel going through and watching just four matches? Jason, lead us off. It was a lot, I, I'm going to say less work. And I don't mean that in a lazy way. It's just the, it, like you said, it got to the point where getting through an entire pay-per-view was a chore. You know, when uh, that's the magic thing about pay-per-views, I guess, in wrestling is that three hours can be turned into several days in some cases. And it just got so, uh, um, but going through this, it was great. It was just like, I cranked up. I watched like the first few minutes of the WrestleMania to get an idea of what everything was and then went right to his match. And then as soon as it was over, it's like, we're going to go to mean Gene. I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie, how did you feel? This was your idea. How did you feel going into this, this episode here? Um, hmm, I was very excited. Uh, you know, that you're, what Jason said's right. You take a three-hour pay-per-view, and if you take if you had taking notes into it and trying to find time to watch it, uh, it can be a little bit of an undertaking. No pun intended. Um, but this was something I was excited for, and it really just came about be- because of what happened at earlier this year's WrestleMania, and just to have to you know watch like the basically what amounts to the last guy. You know, like this is the last guy from our childhood that that was uh, still going and still going strong, or at least as strong as you could be at that age. But uh, yeah, watching this was actually a blast. I went through these matches actually a couple of times, um, and because the, the, I mean it's interesting enough to watch, especially just his evolution and just the first four matches that he has. You know, he wrestles completely different from seven all the way to eleven. Yeah. So that was my that's why was my favorite thing so far with with watching these. Martin, I know you're a huge Undertaker fan. So how how did it feel yep. starting off this season with this episode for you? And this basically the, what the season's going to be. It's it's fun. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's a chance to to really go back and look just at Taker without having to worry about taking notes on a three and you know if we get into some of the late ones four hour pay-per-view because taking notes can add like another half to that so three hours can become five hours depending on how detailed the notes you take are or how important you know what you're watching is and you do get burned out this this fits me at the moment you know because i i I can concentrate on a, a few matches i find it really hard to concentrate on a few shows so I'm I'm more than happy with how this is turning out. Yeah, it felt it it felt really good to get through. Like when I, by the time I got through WrestleMania 11, I was like, "That's it! I'm done for this. I'm done with uh, what I've got to watch for this." Amazing! Goddamn! <laughs> 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 who? who uh, which one of the listeners had um, like less than 15 minutes into the into an Austin impression on the sweep? Oh damn! I forget because I, we had a couple out there. We had a. We, I, lo- I love the idea that we would do the entire thing as one giant impression. <laughs> wow! Can you imagine that? Wrestlers reviewing the streak. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh, they kick Kong Bunny's a big bag of shit. <laughs> yeah, get get to Mania Eleven, and it's just Taker going. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Now this one I really regret. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck was up with that big ass urn, man. I mean that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about 
the evolution of Undertaker over these first four matches, the urn gets bigger and bigger each WrestleMania. It's like a fucking so, Pokemon. It gets cheaper it and cheaper, magic. too, it looks like. It looks like it's from Party City or something. You could just go down the a few hostess cakes, man. What of it? <laughs> <laughs> man, calm down. It just, it's got a light in it. That's kind of <laughs> cool. It was on the Ico Pro. Oh, <laughs> nice. Nice. I like it. All right, so you guys ready to get started? Let's oh, dig. Yeah. Let's dig in. Oh yeah, man. Let's start. Like, um, now I chose. I I'm happy I had to do WrestleMania Seven. WrestleMania Seven with Undertaker versus Superfly Jimmy Snuka is one I I I love that pay per view. I love the 1991 pay per views. It's one of my favorite calendar years outside of 1998 for WWF. And a lot of that's because like uh, my dad had taped those for me. So those were like the those were pay per views I got to watch start to finish. You know, whenever I wanted. And even the Rumble from 91 is pretty solid as well, at least in terms of storyline and what it was building towards. Survivor Series, you know, we've, um, I, I know Jason and I have talked, we, we did a podcast ages ago on Survivor Series, or was, it, or was it Tuesday in Texas? I forget which one we did. It was one of the two. No, we, we did Survivor Series, but Survivor Series seemed like the uh, pre show to oh, Tuesday in Texas, that's the way right. they were plugging that's it. Right. They were really wanting people to watch the pay per view on a Tuesday. Yeah. So to talk about Taker leading into WrestleMania 7, you really got to start at Survivor Series 90. You got to start with the entrance. Mm -hmm. And that's where I kind of started here. So I'm just going to kind of, yeah. Ted DiBiase captained his team of Rhythm and Blues and a mystery partner at Survivor Series 1990 to take on the Dream Team. This was still in the midst of Ted DiBiase's feud with Dusty Rhodes, which in hindsight, I was like, wow, what an amazing feud. Yeah. <laughs> The entrance is immediate, and it's weird in retrospect that Brother Love was his manager. But his, but the Undertaker's mere size was something foreboding. The cuts to the crowd after he takes off his hat tell the story of his presence. Charlie, I love that you got those pics of people, of kids. <laughs> when they, when they I would, mean, do you remember that? Oh, I remember that. Like, that show, what was that, funny was, was they had a hard yeah. time finding him at Survivor Series. At Survivor Series, I feel like they, they got a, the only good close-up they got was like some dude. Just some like rando yeah. dude with an earring and a five o'clock shadow that didn't seem all that concerned. He seemed a little bit more like, "Whoa!" So that's what we're gonna do. Seemed concerned. <laughs> <laughs> the hell's this? Because all the other kids were staring at the big ass egg. Here, yes. Uh, my my word processor did. It didn't take long in season for my word processor to uh, correct me and do whatever it, it did. What it wanted to do, right here. Rowdy Piper's comments like hammock. Instead of ham hock, are funny. <laughs> oh, look are at funny. that ham hock. I, Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so instead, my word process like, oh, look at that hammock. <laughs> <laughs> the Undertaker is um, very, very, very comfortable. <laughs> Do you guys remember who the first person was to lock up with the Undertaker? It's Brett, uh. isn't it? Mr. Four out of ten himself. I don't know. I thought I'd do the favor well, for I, I a little bit, trying good. <laughs> big, big goofy bastard. Oh, you know? Who's who's the first person to take the tombstone? Is it Nigel? It's Coco, and it's nasty. The 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 Coco tombstone. <laughs> the thing that's funny about the way Coco takes it, Coco like it looks devastating, and he pins him. But then Coco is like, as soon as the camera cuts to like somebody else, like it cuts to a different shot off the hard cam. As soon as it goes back, Coco's out of sight, like gone. Yes. Just like he you just got 
totally awesome about this is you can take it from what you said. It's pretty awesome how Coco takes it. That conversation and insert it to a podcast about porn editing, and it would be the exact <laughs> same thing. That is amazing. I'm like, I had to mute my phone. I was laughing as soon as you said that. I don't know why. Yeah. That's I don't know who Coco is, well. but they take it well. So in the middle of the porn, after Undertaker's done, he just picks up Coco and Tombstone him after his hard work. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks for the thanks for the hand job, Coco. Now Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> You done it now, mm. <laughs> but um, yeah. What's what's great in watching that match back was like how even Brett, like Brett, does a great job of selling immediately how how powerful Undertaker's strikes or how big or how powerful Undertaker's moves were. It's hard to say strikes because it wasn't like he was like, you know, post mankind reannihilates him in the corner and becomes you know the ultimate fighting champion of of of, un- of his Undertaker persona, but. It was it was interesting to see with him between Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart how both of them just did a great job of, of selling for him, quite frankly. And it's amazing because he ends up uh, he actually gets to eliminate Dusty, who's the captain yeah. of the dust uh, of his, and it's with a double axe handle from the second rope. But you know what? Hey, I mean, it's not like he's going to be able to tombstone poor Dusty, but still. Um, the only thing that's just well, and by the way, also he does. A very, very early edition of the curb stomp to Dusty in that match, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, oh my God. Like, he almost kills the American dream right there. <laughs> so, after the that, only thing. For his, for his rep, but well, I was like all those kids. I was terrified, you know, as a seven year old for seeing this thing. You, you had no idea. There was no clues as to who this mystery partner was. And, and he doesn't like, it's not like he fits. In this, in this, in this, this, this thing at all. Like, the, the, the original, original version of the Taker with the black gloves, not the light grey, looks so cool. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I mean, it, um, it, the only thing that just is weird is how, because of course they come to that point in the match where it's like, well, we got to get rid of this guy because we got to do Brett against the world. Well, you know, I don't know. And then um, how are we going to do it, though? Because we can't pin him. It's not like we can pin the Undertaker, so what are we going to do? Well, we'll just have him chase after Dusty for after Dusty goes after Paul Bear and just have him annihilate him. And the bigger problem with that is Roddy Piper essentially buries him by saying that he's a big, dumb idiot. He yeah. says, like... I think his quote is like he said he says he's he's big but kind of dumb. And I was like, "Oh no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Roddy. I bet there Roddy, a come on. for him later." Yes. <laughs> hey, you just wait, man. When I find him at the Meineke when he's getting his car done, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after so after Survivor Series, I mean, it's a hell of a first impression. Like he looks awesome in that match for his first pay per view. He doesn't look it. It doesn't look like somebody who's that green because he still was kind of green as a performer at that point. He is so composed that entire time. He does so many cool things. Like he refuses to speak to anybody, even his teammates. And it's not like he actively like tags in people. Like you know, he's not like leaning over with his hand out to be tagged in. Like, well, wouldn't it be a little go, weird? He is so committed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, but you know, but you know, this happens 
with guys oh, yeah. today that they would do this in a heartbeat. It's just great that this guy really bought in. He went D-Day, Daniel Day-Lewis, on his persona here. It was great. So now when we get through, when we get through Survivor Series, the, the march to WrestleMania for Undertaker is him essentially just killing every jobber in sight that they can bring in you know, to, to Hershey, Pennsylvania, wherever they were filming. Uh, on WWF superstars. And that this was also the cool era where after he would beat you, he would put you in a body bag yeah, and right. then just take you away. <laughs> and it was terrifying. <laughs> it was absolutely we're terrifying. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it sounds goofy and it probably is, but it made perfect sense. And it, it was, fucking terrifying yeah, yeah it really and was it and, helps and, that they got the right guy yeah that like if you had given this gimmick to somebody else i don't think i don't think anybody else could have pulled it off like it just now, it i don't just think they start the this you, guy so well do you guys remember when they started the funeral parlor like how soon they did that uh yeah that was towards the end of like 91 Okay, because I know quite, I know the famous one is with Tam- in, in, It's quite instrumental in the build-up between the Hogan and Flair match that never happens. Right, and I remember the the other the most memorable one to me is always when he locks the Ultimate Warrior in the casket. Yes, and they had to drill holes mm-hmm. to get air in there. It was awesome. <laughs> Can you imagine if Jim Helwig was really in there, and he's just freaking out because he's claustrophobic, and he ultimate warriors his way th- out of the casket. <laughs> he just I like beats it open. He's ultimate warrior shaking, and he gets so fast like the Flash, he just phases right on out of the casket. He's across the stage. Yeah. Ooh, that. Oh man. And then so the lead up to, to yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he snuck it in there. I don't know. Oh, maybe he is. I don't know. Um. So, in leading into Mania, it was kind of becoming the question of then what are so what are they going to do with this guy? Because he really wasn't in a storyline, not yet, nothing of like real substance yet. And so, I, I don't even know if there was any backstory to set it up. I don't think there was. But he gets thrown into a match with Superfly Jimmy Snuka, who at this point was, you know, pretty much on the way out. Like there, he had it was we were well past the time of jumping off the top of the cage at Madison Square Garden. This wasn't even his feud. We're even way past his feud with Greg Valentine, where he was still pretty good. At this point, it's just, you know, collecting a paycheck, Jimmy Snuka, um, who had still killed his girlfriend. But um, at the, the thing that's wild is, you know, the first thing in my notes is that Jimmy Snuka gets a jobber entrance at WrestleMania. Yep. Like, he yep. doesn't even get He's already there. a full <laughs> entrance. He's already in there. Um now here, I'm just going to read directly from my notes at this point. This is definitely snuck up beyond the days of flying off the cage. Now, of course, we have Taker with Paul Bearer. The cuts of the crowd are definitely more focused on the kids this time. They couldn't pull this off at Survivor Series, and they focus on the douche and an earring. Undertaker has been destroying jobbers left and right leading up to this. This is the era of Undertaker putting wrestlers in body bags after matches. Gorilla hypes this as Taker's toughest match to date, which is quite laughable when you think about it. 
Taker yeah. definitely works as a despicable heel at times, attacking from behind when Snuka poses, long chokes in the corner. This wasn't just a big imposing bad guy like we, like we see with Braun Strowman today, who kind of comes off as a face. Where Strowman gets lost as a heel is because he doesn't do enough heel tactics with the exception of bailing out on confrontations with baby faces. This was something Taker utilized nicely, and Paul Bearer definitely helped as well. The flying clothesline is already looking top-notch. It already is looking like, wow, the fact that this guy at his height and size can do it is amazing. But still, Taker is very slow and methodical how he breaks down Snuka. Lots of chokes. Snuka's offense is few and far between. Even when Taker misses an elbow, he bounces right back up. Snuka's strikes are completely ineffective. The story with the urn is also mentioned here with how Paul clutches it and then holds it up high when Taker is either on the offensive or defensive. They had a nice closing spot set up where Taker would catch Snuka on a slingshot and then readjust for the tombstone, but he catches him at an angle where Snuka wouldn't have been able to help him like Luke Harper would so many years later. Nevertheless, Taker sets him down, clocks him with the right hand, then delivers the classic scary tombstone that looked like death to whoever took it. The match is less than five minutes, easily a squash, a squash match, but it's interesting because we don't get squash matches like this at Mania anymore that are designed to get a guy over as an up-and-comer. They did get Taker right from Survivor Series up through Mania. Squash wins on Superstars and Main Event, feed him Snuka to get him some more cred, even though it's hard to think that Snuka had that much cred in 1991. Nevertheless, the pieces were coming together. Look, movement, psychology, Undertaker was on the rise. They were also smart in that there was no connection right now to the main event picture, even though as a fan back then it was hard not to imagine what it would be like for The Undertaker to match up with the likes of Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. Charlie, you had said like um, it, the neat thing coming into this match was that Superfly Jimmy Snuka was called the Phenom, and they say that on the show. They call him the Phenom. And then it's, of course, after this that The Undertaker, all the way till now, is still referred to as the phenom and it's like this and impossibly it was kind of mm -hmm. like this passing of the torch moment that is kind of gone under un, you know under the radar as far as it, that type of thing goes in wrestling usually that's such a very marked thing but i i completely side with you like i think that was totally something they took off of snooker and just handed okay. over to to the undertaker yeah i don't know how long that they called jimmy snooker the phenom uh but yeah it, it, i i I didn't even remember it until I was watching this match. And it, it, it's so under the radar, I began to wonder if, if they even realized that strange coincidence that they're calling The Undertaker the Phenom. Like, if it's something that they just thought, hey, that sounds good on him. And You know, that's the name. That's what we called the guy that he beat the first WrestleMania. I don't I honestly don't know if they even realized that. Yeah, and, it, and it, that may be the case. But if, I mean, if they did, that's pretty good, you know, pretty cool, like, you know, changing, changing of the guard when it came to that. So... Um, but overall, just like summarizing the match, like as I, as I said, it's less than five minutes. Like there's not much to it. It is a squash match, which I kind of enjoy sometimes on a pay per view, just because you know if 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 it's a squash match, you don't like if it's coming off of a, a hot match, which at seven, I forget what it came after. Oh damn, I forgot off the top of my head. I I should. I, I love that pay per view so much, but I don't remember what it followed. But it's also good to kind of you know bring the crowd back down a little bit. So that that way you're gonna heat them you're gonna heat them back up with the next couple matches and make them pop again for you know one of your sub main events or whatever. But I th I think it's I think for what it is 
it's a damn good match. And that final image you see when he when he crosses Snuka's arms and it zooms in on him, like you know that guy's a player. That guy is going to be for real. So um, to kind of bat around, Jason, what do you think of the WrestleMania Seven Undertaker match? Well, the the match itself is all right, but you know what was cool is that the week that this pay per view came out. So this was March twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. One of your favorite pay-per-views. I like to subtitle this Hulk America Running Wild. <laughs> it was all over the place. The cool oh. stuff that was going on was that weekend was the weekend that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 came out in theaters. The Secret uh, of the Ooze. The Secret of the Ooze. That's right. So Taker makes his WrestleMania debut and Big Kevin Nash makes his big screen debut. That was number one. <laughs> Jason, that was number one, right? At the box office for that yes. week? Yeah. Yes. That was number one that week. Um, the number one song in the U.S. was longer than this match with Jimmy F- Superfly <laughs> Snuka. Um, it was Gloria Estefan's Coming Out of the Dark. <laughs> and uh, I looked up, I like to do this. I like to look up the uh, number one song in the U.K. the same week because, you know, you guys, Martin. You yes. guys gave Beatles, the Rolling yep. Stone, Led Zeppelin, yep. Duran yep. Duran. Yep. And the number one song this week in the U.K. was... Chesney Hawks, the one and only, which is god <laughs> awful. And side note, the with with the 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 just the pedigree of British music, right before this song was the number one, the number one song in the UK for three weeks in a row was Do the Bartman. Yep. <laughs> oh, do the Bartman. Yes. This is- the clash with should yeah. I stay or should I go to knock yep. them out the number one spot. God almighty, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> this is what I was saying pre, uh, pre-recording. pre Our charts are, and always have been, horseshit. <laughs> but, but, but to the man, like, like to rest back to WrestleMania and the match itself, um, like, this was, like you said, this was great. This was like a really good introduction to The Undertaker. If you didn't watch superstars every week or whatever, but for some reason got WrestleMania. Um, because I guess by this time it was kind it was kind of a big deal for wrestling people. Mm-hmm. You get to see this guy and you're like, holy crap, look at this dude. This is this is awesome. Um, there's a lot of staring at the beginning of this match. And I think it goes on a little too long just a little bit because the crowd kind of starts booing. Um, Gorilla and Heenan get some good play on each other. Gorilla get uh Taker like does his little fist like his kind of outstretched hand chop that Kane would eventually adopt and gorilla goes hits him right in the esophagus area which he goes yeah right in the pineapple i mean the adam's apple close enough <laughs> and right as taker goes to give snooka that scary looking tombstone because i can't tell if it was snooka's head or snooka's perm is like <laughs> below taker's knees i'm going oh god it's something great Gorilla Monsoon just yells out, Tombstone City! And you yes. can't help but go bitch on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well really done, Jason. Well done. It really is something. Um, and I meant to say this at the beginning of this. You know, you were talking about how Snooka seemed to be on his way out. He did not look happy. No. No, he doesn't. Like, like You're right. It sat down and went, hey, motherfucker, you fucking owe me for that 1983 shit, all right? You fucking go out there and you do this job for this man. Um, but that was it. And then Paul Bearer, Paul Bearer with The Undertaker at this stage, those two, that's hand in hand. 
like later on in his career, maybe not, but right now, it's the like you, the they call it out, you called it out, the way that he plays that urn and how Paul Bearer's movements and pantomimes really reflect and impact what's happening in the ring. It is all of it is together. This was, I mean, for a short squash match at WrestleMania, so you're thinking that shouldn't happen. This was great. I loved it. Yeah, I think it's again. I agree with you, man. It's a solid match, Charlie. You're a fan of this one too, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I always say this is the one tombstone I would not want to take. Uh, this is uh, this is definitely the scariest one <laughs> by far. I do like that um, the way you can watch these on the network, where you can kind of like just hit the very beginning of this match, and it'll just take you right to it. And uh, the very first thing I that I heard that was worth something was. <laughs> <laughs> was Gorilla Monsoon going, what a disgusting display by the Nasty Boys. <laughs> oh, so yeah, so that's what they were coming out of. Yeah, the tag title match. They did the switch that night. They beat the Heart Foundation. Yes. Right. Yeah, because yeah, they were doing a celebration in the back. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was a great little way to start this thing off. Uh, with just the, a disgusting the, display. With the second first lady, I guess, at that who later became the second first lady. That's right, Marla Maples. Right. Um, I don't want to touch too much on everything you guys have said. I did notice the Bobby Heenan um, noticing that the clutching of the urn to the heart means that um, he's in trouble. And then when he puts it outward, it means that the Undertaker's uh, doing great. <laughs> I don't know exactly what, what, the, what that means, but uh, I, thought, I thought that was kind of cool. Bobby Heenan does a really good job here because that's not the only thing he does. Uh, with uh, when he talks about the urn, Bobby Heenan attempts to create some kind of mythology with yeah. the urn. That's really cool. Like, wait, what's in the urn? You know, <laughs> it's, it's like, could it be a relative? Could it be someone he hates? I don't know. <laughs> it sets up yeah. though a really what, what it sets up really nicely though is if there is a vulnerability to this guy, like the big baby face will have to figure out that it's the urn. If you can, it's yep. the urn, and that's that that would have been a nice thread. That's. That's what's kind of cool. Like when you when you create a super like monster villain, they have to have one type of flaw that you can expose. And it was nice right. that they had one staring right in the face. It's straight out of comic books. Straight out of comic books. And and it's so it's so cool. And the white was such an interesting character. Um, oh, what else? There's uh, I love that. So this is what this is March. So he debuted in November. Yeah. And. It, you still get a crowd reaction with the first gong. Yes. Like you hear that and he's a heel and you hear that, that gong and you can hear the crowd go, yeah, like you can already hear it. Like that, that, like a lot of people already like this guy. And, um, you mentioned it earlier, Will. And I mean, I came out of my seat both times when I watched this match, I have always loved that flying clothesline. Oh, when he would come off the ropes, because you gotta remember, man, like we've never really seen anything like this guy before. Uh, like, d- 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 a guy that could do something like that, and you know, for a guy that was so zombie-like in his wrestling, and then all of a sudden to break that thing just out of nowhere, yeah, yeah. Re- really cool. Uh, I love Jimmy Snuka's bizarre rope bump that he does. <laughs> where he, yeah, yes, he, it's like he contemplates suicide for a hot minute. Like maybe I did kill her. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i don't want to go on and then, and then he just decides to tuck his chin real quick before he hits the floor uh but I, I do i do so that's a suicide joke boom yeah, i wonder if that was on an over under 
Uh, I do like that since Snooker comes off the top rope, Taker was clearly supposed to catch him and put him in the tombstone. Yeah. Doesn't quite work, but Taker just says, oh, fuck it. He just kind of stands him up, whispers something in his ear, and then just waffles him. Yes. <laughs> you know what he whispered, right? He totally whispered at him. I know what yeah, you did. Yeah. Jimmy, you're going to fucking jump. <laughs> oh, you're going to take it. <laughs> yeah, and that tombstone is just something else. Like, that is the scariest tombstone. Like to this day, like, I, I still have a hard time watching that. This is a, it's a squash match, which I usually don't really care for, but this match is awesome. It really is, and and to see someone like Snooka get it makes it even better. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's it's a very satisfying time. I mean, Snooka can't, doesn't even go off the top rope; uh, it, it's just complete and utter domination. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I I mean, I give this match a seven easily. Uh, this is a lot of fun for me. Um, yeah, I, I forgot even to do a rating for you. I would I would probably stick with a seven. Jason, how about you? Yeah, I guess if we're gonna rate these like that, yeah, this would be a seven. Because what we'll do at the end is we're gonna start stacking these and figuring out like what were the how would you rank them these four matches for each show and then we'll build it into the overall season. I have a feeling I know what we're gonna be putting at number one, but we'll see if it works out that I know. way. Yeah, but yeah. well, you know, we, 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 it's extreme, but um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> You're going still, to number one. Are we still allowed to be extreme? I know. <laughs> if you, I'll tell you this: if you put Mania 19 as number one, you are extreme. No, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Give that man a free can of Kodiak. <laughs> You're gonna salute this flag because I'm bringing one. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Martin, go ahead and wrap us up, man. Do you have any? What else would you want to add to the WrestleMania Seven discussion? Um, only really, it's amazing how complete the Undertaker act is so soon into the run. Barely four months in, the entire gimmick is complete and done amazingly, and I, that is a, always astounding to look back on. Because there's guys you you look and you think, and sort of most popular acts and it takes them a while to get going guys like the rock guys like steve austin and it took a complete character switch for them to finally click with taker it's there from the from the get-go and it's it's amazing to watch something just be so perfect so soon yeah, it's, I mean, and the thing, like, coming out of this match now is going to be, like, again, Taker's kind of in this, I don't know, it's interesting to see kind of, like, where he goes, because I'm not, I'm not certain, but I feel like he feuds with the Ultimate Warrior not long after this, right? Yes, over the summer, and then Hogan and going then, into Survivor Series. Yeah, it, it's this, it's this feud that, like you said, Charlie, we don't even get, like, the benefit of seeing Warrior and Taker on pay-per-view, which would have been awesome. But doesn't that sound like a main event? Oh my god, yeah. I mean that's why like what's that's what's amazing about him is that he's not even a year into his run and he's working a program with the Ultimate Warrior. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Especially in ninety one, because Warrior was just coming off his world title run. He had the he has the Macho Man match this same night, which is out of this world amazing. And um Mm -hmm. So yeah, the legacy of this match, like it's a, it's a good way to keep him building towards eventually, inevitably. I think after, especially after WrestleMania, when you know that there's not going to be much 
There's not going to be not much gas left in the tank of this Hogan slaughter feud. You know, inevitably, Taker's going to be coming up next. So that's what's interesting. By the time we roll around to WrestleMania 8, The Undertaker's a former world champion, which is fascinating. Charlie, you're up, man. Undertaker versus Jake Roberts. This is one of my favorite WrestleManias. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always I've always loved WrestleMania 8. There are several really great matches on here, and I, I think this is one of them. Um, I only wish it was a little longer. There is a lot of things that go into this match, uh, whether it's something like this is, you know, this is Jake Roberts's final match in WWF until he comes back for that awful run that he had uh, in 96. You know, so this is like a four year gap for him. Um, apparently, Jake Roberts was promised a a writing gig from another one of those Vince McMahon promises you something and he doesn't give it to you things. And this is because this is all going on during that. Everyone always remembers the steroid trial, but there was also the sexual harassment thing that was going on with like Pat Patterson and Adrian Adonis and like the ring boys or something. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Like they like they went on Phil Donahue. It was that's a lot of fun. But Jake Roberts was pr- apparently promised a job on the writing staff, didn't get it. And f- he threatens to no show WrestleMania if he doesn't. um get released from his contract so he can go work in WCW. So that's what, exactly what happens. And this, I mean, it, it gets even worse from there. So from Jake Roberts' estimation, he's making like three and a half million dollars a year uh, doing professional wrestling. And when he switches over to WCW, WC, uh, they get a hold of what Bill Watts takes over right around that time. Mm-hmm. And Bill Watts and Jake Roberts have feuds like a, a real – real life feud heat going back into like the territory days and Jake Roberts does end up going WCW after a 90 day, no compete clause, but he takes a massive pay cut like badly, like down down to like 200, 200 thou. I think it was. Yeah. $250,000, I think. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do remember him feuding with sting a little bit. I think that, I think they do. They have like a weird program at that Halloween havoc. Later that year, it's the they spin the wheel and it ends up being a coal miner's glove match. I think. Oh, I think. Yeah. Where's that DVD set? <laughs> the, be- the best of Halloween Havoc. Six, six and a half Dude, minutes uh, of sizzling action. I'd buy that. I would absolutely buy that. I think I would. Yeah, that was a great pay per view. Um, but so here we go we're like an oh uh, a year and four or five months into taker's career he's a face for this match uh going in with with jake roberts and i always like jake roberts more as a heel and in, i mean even though taker's a face i mean he doesn't really change up his wrestling that much it's still basically the same kind of deal and they had a program going in with ultimate warrior i think it was where they what was it like that they <laughs> what did you say to me well that they they weren't invited to macho's wedding yeah basically they're the only <laughs> yeah. two people not invited yeah. and they're like yeah. you know what let's team up jake and let's uh <laughs> can you hey why don't you give him a snake for a present and then we'll just crash this whole thing it'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> well well then like jake says he's gonna hit whoever comes out of a curtain like with a steel chair like the first person and it's like Miss Elizabeth or something. Yeah. And Taker like, stops him from doing it. And that leads to the fu- the funeral parlor bit where I'll tell you, man, I, f- I almost wish no one else did the DDT but Jake Roberts because even the DDT he gives to Paul Bear at the funeral parlor looks amazing. 
Yeah. Like, it's it's so well done. And I just th- go back to thinking about when Paul Bear took the stunner that one time and how it was a completely different result. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, there was just a lot more of different. Paul Bear when he took that stunner, though, Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. But I do like the this promo that Jake Roberts is, uh, has, I, I mean, it's not one of his best, but yeah, I mean, he gets his point across. Uh, I do like the storyline going in that Jack Tunney, Jack Tunney just finally caught on to the fact that Jake probably shouldn't have a snake at ringside. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like he just now figured it out. And I think it was because of the macho man incident. And, yeah, and Jack yeah, Tunney was like, Oh man, why did I ever that, allow this in the first place? Yeah, the fact that he traded in the Python for the Cobra. <laughs> You're right. And hearing Jake commentate the funeral parlor is kind of funny too. And he's like, oh, "Watch this! Oh yeah, short ride, bad landing." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a just a promotion machine. I mean, he just sounds like a villain out of Three Men and a Baby. He does. Yeah. <laughs> I want that video. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um. So Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon get some good banter going on here. Monsoon makes some comment about the smell of formaldehyde is around. (laughs) I thought that was your cologne. (laughs) Will you stop? Will you stop it? (laughs) It's really good. Uh, This is the first uh, match we've seen. Well, you know, we're only in two matches, but we get to see Taker do that 360 over the top rope thing where he lands on his feet. And I remember as a kid just being blown away by that. Yeah. You know, looking back on it, it's kind of ridiculous uh, to be so thrilled about something. But I thought that was just incredibly impressive. And it was always hard to do it with the toys. I remember that. <laughs> yes, the, the scale was all, all wrong. Damn it you, was Hasbro. All wrong. Yeah, yeah, the Hasbro was like, I mean, if he landed and you didn't catch him, he just falls because, you know, it's just one solid piece of plastic. But I always loved that. Um, Heenan, he kind of becomes me for a second. He makes an excellent point about Undertaker choking Jake Roberts. He starts counting, and and he gets to five, and Gorilla Monsoon just goes, what are you counting for? And he says, the referee could have stopped it by now. Why isn't he doing anything? <laughs> and, and, yeah, he's strangling him on the ground, and the ref, and, and Joy Morrell is just like, well, I mean, I, how you doing down there? You isn't that know? Gorilla's kid? <laughs> Yeah, just that Morello. makes it even funny. <laughs> that makes it even funny. Yeah, <laughs> oh man! Um, so this is like the first time in the main is that uh, Jay uh, that um, Undertaker goes down. Jake Roberts hits another great DDT, refuses to cover him for some reason. Uh, and seeing we didn't see it in the first WrestleMania, but I mean Taker's sitting up. I mean this is another thing. You know, like they always they always say, oh, just like Dracula. It always made me made me think of Michael Myers mm. at, at the at the end of Halloween, like because I mean Dracula, I mean it, he's very stiff, but Michael Myers did it in a very slow kind of deliberate way, and he would turn his head, and that's the only thing that would move, and that's what Taker always did, and so like, this is one of the things that was just so cool about the character is how unique it was. Um, the fans are like they're fully behind Jay or sorry Undertaker. I do love like when they're outside and. And Taker and Jake are kind of like walking around the ring, and Paul Bear actually slaps like the ring post, like "Put him here!" Yes. And, and then Taker's like, "Sounds good." Chucks <laughs> 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 Jake right into it. And, and, you're and you're Jake, the boss, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, I, I agree. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, 
Jake looks kind of funny because I mean he's not like overweight, but he you can tell he's pe- he's put on a little bit of weight and he's got like I, the tights right up to his belly button. I think he also may be off his tits. <laughs> I, there's he something. Be. There's a look in Jake's eye. The smile eye, but, in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I look, okay. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, you know, when he first sits down in the corner and then he just kind of smiles and then he looks like he truly struggles to get back to get back to a vertical base. <laughs> yeah, he's just when oh, yeah. play by play. So I like that, man, so Jake uh, kind of levels Paul Bear in the face. <laughs> and after a second DDT, which he doesn't cover him for, and then, of course, there's the tombstone to the outside, which doesn't look perfect, but, I mean, it's fine. And, um, and he just rolls him back in. One, two, three, it's over. Uh, I think, I mean, I wish Jake hadn't have left because I think these two are almost, at least in 1992, they would have been made for each other. It's such a, a great dynamic of character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Particularly Jake with his mind games. It works really well with a character like The Undertaker. And it's really it was really interesting in the funeral parlor scene like to see the undertaker be vulnerable yeah like like yeah to, to, in a way to get sympathy from people for him which is you know it's, it's the undertaker but i mean still like just just really cool stuff um yeah because jake uh, traps his hand in the in the casket doesn't he in the coffin yeah yeah and taker can't move and he hits him with the chair and you know it, apparently taker chased him off but they didn't bother to show that um Odds and ends note, I thought it was, I mean, it's weird looking back at it now, but I mean, I'm sure you guys caught the Bobby Knight references. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Which is just, I mean, this was before all that controversy, right? Like like, this wasn't, that wasn't a known thing yet. So, you know, them talking about that was just a little strange, but overall though, like I've always liked this match. It's, it's really solid. And uh, my only complaint is I wish that they actually had a feud and and could have gone longer. Cause even so this is a pretty short match. I want to say it's like seven minutes. Six thirty-six. So. It's short. It is yeah. short. It is a short match, and it's funny too because, like, watching these matches, you know, I'm thinking about it. Like, they're not all this short. You know, like some like down the line, we're looking at a match that, from entrance to final bell, is going to be like forty-five minutes. So, you know, it's. it's I, I think it's it's something about WrestleManias of of this period. Yeah, up until about '96, mm-hmm. WrestleMania is loaded with loads and loads of short matches. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, usually the longer matches were the are the like the final two or the two main events. Like WrestleMania seven, those yeah. last two matches do go quite a bit of a distance. But for a for a six minute and thirty six second match, this is great. And even the flying clothesline gets an, gets another great reaction. Uh, it's just it's just fun watching it's just fun watching the undertaker and i'm really glad they paired him up with jake i'd give this a seven easily would you all right well we'll, we'll do that at the end we'll talk about it um jason first tell us what was going on in 92 <laughs> that's right the week of april 5th 1992 the number one movie at the box office was white man can't jump <laughs> hey! yes yes hey, which i, I am yeah, man, and IMDb described it perfectly. Black and white basketball hustlers join forces to double their chances of winning money on the street courts in a basketball tournament. That's what I'm talking about. That's it. That's, yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's all you need. That's pretty on point. Yeah. I mean, there's the uh, Jeopardy scene, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the UK continues this tradition of horrible music is number one with Shakespeare's sisters stay. <laughs> stop it stop it i like that song <laughs> i so that i'm not speaking out of ignorance i went and watched and listened watched the videos for all of these songs and oh my god is that lady like is she cleaning a dead body while she's singing to it that was so weird pretty um, much now where we were in the world of culture of wrestling is that reba mcintyre sang the national anthem the beginning yep. of this wrestlemania and boy her accent took a knee um, while they were doing that. So, <laughs> nice. So, you know, um, also while it was going and cameras panning through all the very patriotic people, this, there is a psychopath in the stands. That's the picture I tweeted out. I don't know what's up. You know, I love the people watch. I wish that there was more of this guy because he is grudge fucking the anthem. Like he is like full denim. He's got a scarf oh. tied around his neck, disheveled, like kind of MacGruber hair. Very just distant look in his eyes. This it was wonderful. Um, all to think, you know, that's probably Sid's number one fan. I didn't go back and watch the build up for this, so I was wondering why Jake the Snake came to the ring, Sand Snake. Um, so you covering that with the Jack Tunney thing? No more, no more vicious animals at ringside. I think his really actual covered. words are no more reptiles. <laughs> no more reptiles. He should just came out with the covers it, doesn't it? Yeah, which I assume meant that they had to immediately fire Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The match itself, like, it's really cool to see someone like Jake versus The Undertaker. Because this is, you know, well before the mind games of Taker, where really his mind game is just his intimidating presence. But where you've got, like, a guy like Jake who would be like, I'm not going... That shit's not going to get to me. I'm the master of mind games. But it's flipped because since Jake is heel and Taker's face, it just changed things up. It's a real smooth match um, compared to what we're about to get. But, I mean, even <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really smooth match. Um, Heenan makes a comment. You know, they, they do a great job of talking how dark and twisted the Undertaker is, but he's still a good guy. Um, he says he takes his vacations at 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Right. <laughs> Which I love. He goes, oh, you know, like the monsters. He's Lurch. And it made me mad because Heenan mixing up his monsters with the Adams Family. Greatest color commentator in history. My ass. <laughs> that might be Lurch. Yeah. But it's like, eh. But uh, what I think is funny, and every time I see this in, in older wrestling matches, it's Jake the Snake giving someone the DDT. And it's not a finish. Right? It's like. And then not only gives one, but he gives him two. So it's like no one respects the DDT in the new era, and neither did they in 1992. <laughs> Even though he didn't go for a pin for some reason, like Charlie said. I still would like to know more why Jake didn't cover him. He just slides over to the ring post and starts pointing out to the crowd, probably to that same psychopath. I see you, buddy. There you go. <laughs> That's for this you. Match, yeah, this match, I, I mean, like, I, I'd give it a six. Okay, cool. Martin, how about you? Um, this, for me, is one of those, you know, like, I can't really be objective about it because this this is the feud that turns Taker face. So, you know, within kayfabe, we're finally allowed to cheer for him. Still get chills watching the, the segment um, in the funeral parlor where Jake asks the Undertaker what side he's on and Taker just stares him in the face and replies with that, you know, that gravelly voice, not yours. It was like as a kid, that was like, oh my god, yes, we can cheer for him now. 
Because <laughs> it was one of those, it's like, no, I like this guy, but he's a bad guy. So it's like, I'm not supposed to. But now, it was, now we can do it. And yeah, the match itself is, but for what it is, it's quite phenomenal. Yes, it's a shame it didn't go longer. Yes, it's a shame we didn't get a feud out of it. But as a way of, again, with the snooker thing, you know, it's like they're giving Taker a name to beat that doesn't really affect anyone else on the roster because Jake's on the way out. So it kind of works because it's a case of he can, you know, he, he beats Snooker. And yeah, Snooker wasn't the best at the time, but, you know, he was a name. He was he was a, a star. Same goes for Jake. We didn't know he was on his way out. So to us, it looked like, holy crap. Not only did he survive two DDTs, he put Jake out by giving him a tombstone on the outside. Yeah, it's like it shows the diabolical the a- side of the Yes. Mm-hmm. Just this like super hard-ass thing, but it's, he's still the same monster, but just because he's now pointing at the bad guys, we're allowed to like him because of it. And that's the beauty of it. The character doesn't need to change. You just point him at, you know, whoever he's feuding with determines whether he's heel or face. And it works. I mean, it works for Triple H. Triple H's character never changes, but it is just like your modern day Triple H. Just whoever he's in the ring against, that's you know that determines whether you cheer or boo him. And like I said, it works. And I I, I love this. If we're giving numerical, this is an eight for me. An absolute eight. An absolute smash. I'd have to to be consistent with. Like if I have to, if I'm gonna, I think this match is better than this WrestleMania Seven match. So in that way, numerically, I'm gonna start off with, I'd have to give it an eight just based on that. I'd have to go with Martin on that because I do think it's a better match overall. It does. It's and what's funny is I think it gets just about as much time. So it really is just arguably it's it's in many ways a glorified squash match because there isn't much that goes on in the way of offense on the on the Jake end compared to Taker's end. The thing about those DDTs, it's funny is like like what i love that macho man randy savage did at wrestlemania 7 is he he buried his finish he let his finish get buried because his career quote unquote was ending as a result of that match so i thought that was really cool that he gives five to the warrior the warrior kicks out and then that's the end for him until of course like a you know whenever they bring him back for um this tuesday texas right exactly so the Jake thing's funny because it's like, I, I guess he was trying to protect the move. Like he didn't want it. Maybe. And, and I mean, and they did kind of a halfway, they, they kind of gave, because obviously Taker was going over in the match. So if he did a pinfall in the DDT, he was going to have to kick out. So the way to kind of walk the line of it was like, well, okay, I'll give him the DDT and then I'll just get, I'll just do some Gaga business over here. And then you can set up immediately afterwards, which he does. And it's still, the effect is still there. I don't think that well, really... would have, I think it would have been more effective if Paul Bear had actually like gotten in the way of Jake Roberts. Like if he found a way to interject himself in the match, like yeah. Jake just sees him and goes, nah, I don't like that fat fuck. And yeah. Just like he go, goes for him. And I don't think it would have made people think Taker's a heel because that's, that would be a heel thing for, uh, you know, for Paul Bearer to do on behalf of Taker. But I that's the only thing that I would kind of, like, switch up in this. Otherwise, I love that he does a tombstone on the outside. The fact that he breaks that out, because I don't think we've seen him do, mm-hmm. he'll do that again. Nope. 
uh, give somebody at WrestleMania no, a tombstone so. on the outside. I don't, now, he, maybe during a a rando pay-per-view down the line he'll do it, but at least on the Mania stage, I don't think we see that. Am I wrong on that? Did the, Not I on Mania. I, don't I can't remember him doing a tombstone to the outside. I, I, I genuinely don't think they'd let him. Yeah, I guess we'll find out, you know, as this as the season goes on, if we actually encounter. But offhand, I don't think so. But yeah, I definitely like stack ranking him. I definitely put this one above the seven match because now you have a storyline. You have a storyline interjected with essentially like a, a, a match that's very similar. Granted, Jake gets a lot gets a little bit more offense than Snuka, but yeah, this is this was a good time. Like especially on this is a pay per view. Like I, I'm I always get frustrated with because of how like where Hulk Hogan and all that stuff falls into it. Like that's what's kind of makes this, this pay-per-view frustrating, but this match makes it like this match is definitely more on the positive side. You know, that along with the macho flair main event or not main event, the sub main event and then flair, I'm sorry. And then Piper and Brett for the IC belt really, really take this pay-per-view up. So, (laughs) all right. So we're now headed towards WrestleMania nine. It is now, <laughs> Jason. So I'll tell you what, Jason. You can go ahead and tell us what was going on in the world for us in terms of pop culture a little bit, and then go into your analysis. Sure. Get ready, folks. This is a good one because it's WrestleMania Nine, the week of April fourth, nineteen ninety-three. The number one song in the UK was the Bluebells cover of "Young at Heart," also a piece of crap. The number one song <laughs> in the US. The number one song in the United States was Snow's Informer. Damn right. If it's not going to get stuck in your head, that's your fault. Hang, hang, but on, I hang, say- on, hang on, hang on, hang on. And, and ours is worse how? Oh, here we because, go. Because <laughs> people hear Snow's Informer and go, oh, man, I love that song. People hear the Bluebells cover of Young at Heart and go, well, wasn't that a shitty song to begin with? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and they just made it worse. Um Anyway, my song's dick is bigger than yours. Yeah. Hey, Paul, put, hey man, Paul, put that snow track on again. I dig it. <laughs> yeah, man. I was hoping that one of you two would know the words to inform or give us a little take or doing, but uh, nobody knows the words to inform by snow. I do, but that's just because I was an idiot in 1993. Anyway, um, I saved this one. I, I did amount of order for this because the number one movie in the United States this week which ought to tell you how great things are about to go at WrestleMania was Don't piss me off. Ew! Yes. <laughs> and I can described it as this, so please hold J- your Jason, breath. Jason, say the title again. Cop and a Half. Oh, there we go. Yes, which, if you don't know, was the Burt Reynolds and Little Black Kid Buddy Cop movie that, oh, ironically boy. enough, is actually getting a sequel this year. It already has it. Yeah, <laughs> Luke Phillips and some little girl. Um, but... Here it is. This is the coolest description of a movie ever because it kind of has something to do with wrestling. After witnessing a murder, a young boy named Devon refuses to testify. <laughs> Unless- refuses to testify. He refuses, yes. he refuses to get the tables. <laughs> he refuses to testify unless given the chance to be a police. Oh my God. That's I saw great. that. I was like, that is perfect. <laughs> Devon said, oh, that's. That's really how Devon wound up in Dudleyville in witness protection. Um, <laughs> that movie went to number one. It was only number one for one week. It was a no. Well, Charlie, in all honesty, Cops and Robbers was probably number one over its weekend too. 
At least I own that one on DVD. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But uh, Cops and Robbers. <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, God. So here we go. WrestleMania 9. This is Jim Ross's very first WrestleMania. As the host, Gorilla Monsoon, not commentating Gorilla Monsoon, introduces us to this wonderful gladiatorial arena that the Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada, has been transferred to. As the show progresses, Jim Ross gives us a history lesson. And take a drink every time Jim Ross says the word virgins. You will be fucking <laughs> <Yes>. lit. <laughs> There is no national anthem because why would there be? It's ancient Rome. Uh, <laughs> they do they do have an elephant though. That's right. When when the elephant that comes out, that I'll get to that. Don't steal my thunder, Martin. No. Sorry. Heenan's right, yeah, Heenan coming out riding the camel. Wonderful because it's backward. It fits it so perfect. <laughs> the whole build up with with Macho getting to come out before with with the best of virgins. Virgins, virgins, virgins. I swear to God, it's like 12 times in this little bit um, that Jim Ross, and a young Jim Ross is a creepy Jim Ross, by the way. Um, Macho fed the grapes, really funny. Then here comes Tina on this. Then here is the parade with the elephants and Cleopatra and Caesar. And this is where Jim Ross goes to tell us that there were actually 12 Cleopatras and that the one that we think of is the last Cleopatra, which is hilarious. I'm like, Jim Ross from Oklahoma really study his Egyptian history, just cracking me up. There are over eight minutes of parade, pageantry, and spectacle before the first wrestler's music hits. The crowd is getting agitated, annoyed, and antsy. I wonder what could happen. Did you watch crowd... the whole show? No, listen, listen, Knight. I watched, <laughs> went back and watched the beginning after I got a phone call this morning from Charlie Hitting me up to something that I didn't notice until then. But the crowd sitting in this hot-ass Las Vegas sun is getting annoyed answer. So before we get to the match-match, let's talk about the Giant Gonzalez, who's the Undertaker's opponent. Not just a big dumbass in a horrible, horrible body. Uh, Jorge Gonzalez, he was the first basketball player from Argentina to be drafted to the NBA. This plays into his his introduction into wrestling because he was drafted by the Atlanta Hawks. And a knee injury cut his career very, very short. But the owner of the Hawks, Ted Turner, who also owned WCW, wow. was so impressed by Gonzalez's size that he offered him a job with WCW. And after a year of training, he was put on as a babyface, Eligante, and one of Sting's buddies. One of the very few people to never turn on Sting. <laughs> If you remember, Eligante, yeah, Eligante was one of the was guy that I think J.J. Dillon was handcuffed to during one of the war games or something to keep him from inter- the him from interfering because you know the four horsemen's managers who you need to worry about. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you get the you get the eight foot tall guy. Yeah. Uh, after his run in the WWF, uh, Gonzalez was set to return to WCW at Halloween Havoc '95 as the Yeti. But had a serious issue with his diabetes act up backstage an hour before he was supposed to go out, causing Reese to be a last-minute replacement. Reese was the Yeti? Yes. yes. Yeah, he was. Yeti. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's kind of cool. And that was also, he, he wasn't on American TV again. He wound up having wrestling his last match later that year and then lived out the rest of his life in Argentina. But 
before that, he had one of the worst matches that we're ever, ever going to talk about on this show. And being that we just covered all ECW in its entirety, that's saying something. <laughs> so, the the buildup to the match is this is part of the Undertaker's feud with Harvey Whippleman. Right. It's like Hogan. Hogan's real feud was always really with Bobby Heenan. He just kept throwing monster right. monster. Taker had Harvey Whippleman. Taker had already defeated Kamala at SummerSlam, who was managed by Harvey Whippleman, and then beat him in a casket match at Survivor Series the previous year. This caused Harvey Whippleman to vow revenge on The Undertaker, and he showed up a 93 Royal Rumble with the Giant Gonzalez. And even though the Giant Gonzalez was not a participant in the Rumble, he gets in the ring and attacks The Undertaker and flips him over the top rope where his feet touch the ground, in which referee Bill Alfonso rules him as being eliminated. He then beats up Yeah, I was like, oh, no, it's Bill Alfonso. This is getting good. Then oh, no, Daddy. Beats on The Undertaker for several minutes, interrupting the Royal Rumble. For some reason, people didn't come out. The timer didn't go. I didn't understand. Uh, but this is what led <laughs> So here we go. Gonzalez's bodysuit is less dumb looking here than his debut. His debut was covered in hair, like big pieces of hair in all different places. Here it's just more airbrushed um, on here. I love Taker's entrance. He is so oh, fucking cool. dope. Yeah, on that that chariot, the vulture going nuts, like flapping, yes. uh, moving, everything is cool. It's like how you do a cool Undertaker entrance in the sunlight. Attention, WrestleMania 31. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm so glad I'm not the only person that was like actually, actually like irate at Mania 31. Yeah, um, and then one of the the thing is is that cool that cool cool image that cool vibe that the Undertaker's putting off with his entrance is completely ruined because one of the funeral marchers is high fiving fans. Yes, they down you saw it. <laughs> oh man, saw it. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, I was wondering if he was high fiving them, or if he had his hand up like in some kind of r- like ritual thing, and the fans just went, "Oh, dude!" <laughs> hey man, kayfabe, man, come on. Yeah. <laughs> just keep hey, the hand hey, up. Let them do it. You, you don't get this shit, boy. You gonna get it. Uh, but during his entrance, Macho and Heenan cannot decide how tall the giant Gonzalez is. Is he eighteen? <laughs> is he twenty feet? Is he miles tall? <laughs> they make the line. If he was to lay down, his feet would be here and his head would be at the airport. What the fuck? We can see him. He's clearly a- <laughs> and Jim Ross keeps interrupting. He's eight feet. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jan. Yeah. Sorry, shit. <laughs> he doesn't understand it's his first day. He doesn't know he's supposed to embellish, not just give the fact. But uh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Oh man! And who is the best? But Bill Alfonso, Daddy. He's yeah, got it's extreme, too. baby. Yeah, buddy, it's gonna be good. There is no whistle. Um, the match start is boring, very boring. Lots of stare downs. But what's this in the stands? <laughs> much, much more interesting than any part of this match is. So I've gone back and looked at, it. and so this is what I've been able to determine, Charlie. So thank you very much for calling me this morning. Um, from what I can tell, a tourist, a pawn shop owner, and a low-level casino pit boss get into a fight. <laughs> <laughs> it seems 
that Florida man has custody of the kids this weekend. So he took him to Vegas for WrestleMania, and they're having a great time. But also, Mickey Santoro is behind them, and he's using some colorful language to describe Gonzalez's airbrushed ass crack. So Florida man gets his girlfriend, Diane, to swap places with his kid, Daryl, as he gives Santoro the Daytona stink eye. Santoro notices Florida man's gaze and says to him, don't fuck with me, pal. Don't make a fuck out of me. You want to embarrass me? Make a fool out of me? You didn't gamble? Tell me you gambled. I'll give you the money to put the fucking heat on it. Did you gamble, huh? Fucking degenerate. This invokes the ire of Chumley Sr., who was a few seats down, who decides to stand up for Florida man and his family. He gets right in Santero's face and tells him that this language is not in front of appropriate in front of the kids and the macho man. And if he keeps him up, He's going to cut him with a Civil War bayonet. And they keep this up. And people are starting to leave the seat. You can watch. You'll see there's this lady in this big blue and white striped shirt. Her and her husband get the fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> those, you know those people were comped. They only had comp tickets. They weren't there yeah. for anything. <laughs> what the hell they, is this shit? Shrimp buffet. Anyway. They keep this going until Caesar's Palace security, not in a toga for some reason. <laughs> I wish, I wish for a second, Jason, that one of the security guys was um, the guy from ECW One Night Stand 06 in a toga. That Charlie talked <laughs> <laughs> about very angry at John Cena hating guy. Yeah, but uh, they tell him to cut it out, or they're going to wind up ne- buried next to where Ric Flair is going to be buried by the filthy animals in about six years. <laughs> on the de- Vegas desert. So thank oh, you, God. Charlie, for pointing that out. Now, back to the match. You're welcome. Gonzalez. What's up? You're welcome. Oh. <laughs> Gonzalez and Taker stare at each other, choke each other a lot. The giant puts Taker in a reverse chin lock for a minute and 50 seconds. Uh, <laughs> giant Gonzalez goes down onto one knee. The crowd is actually into the match. And this is where Harvey Wolfman gets up, throws the the rag into the ring where the announcers claimed that they can smell it from their seats, which is was true would have knocked out the ring crew, the front row and everyone around them. If you can smell chloroform, it's late. Macho man has one of the greatest matches of his whole career. Trying to say the word chloroform. (laughs) (laughs) Chloro, what do you call it? It's chloroform. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Jim Ross gets mad. Sorry, mama. Oh, Jan. Oh, I did it again. Oh, don't. But uh, what's cool is that Ref calls for a DQ as Taker is just down. Macho then says that you can kill a guy with chloroform. Yes. Taker is dead. He is stretchered out. He doesn't move. I went back and watched it. He doesn't move. It's amazing. Great. Gonzalez won't leave the ring and gives a crappy choke slam to Fonzie. But here comes mean Mark Calloway, and he is pissed that this match sucks so bad. Kiss the giant. <laughs> clothesline, and the giant doesn't fall backwards. He falls straight down. Because that's what Weird. happens. Taker continues to go after the giant, but Paul Bearer puts him in a headlock to restrain him. While Stan Lee makes his obligatory cameo as a security guard and leads the giant Gonzalez out of the ring. This match gets a three. <laughs> well done, sir. That, is, that was a fantastic <laughs> man. Oh, man. I'm going to try here. Uh, um, there's a. All right. Let's see. Uh, 
stay in character to do it. It's that bad. I don't. I don't. Okay. So there's a, like, it's not so weird now, but it's weird back then. There's a couple of things Undertaker just shouldn't do. That she just shouldn't do it. And he gets Giant Gonzalez in the corner and just starts like stomping a mud hole in him. <laughs> it just he just like goes to town just kicking him kicking him yes. holding the ropes and i'm like what the hell i wonder how pissed he is charlie i bet you he is not happy i he- wonder well i love the look on his face when he yes. comes back to the ring <laughs> when he staggers and back out he looks when he staggers back off. out i mean his eyes are way in the back of his head and he's just he looks just fucking angry and i, I mean that's when i really get into it um Let's see, there's a I, I get the feeling. Sorry, I get the feeling that as soon as they wheeled Taker backstage, Vince was there in just just behind the curtain, seeing how badly it all went down, and just like get the fuck back out there, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is weird seeing the Undertaker come out during the daytime. Yes. I, I agree, and I was trying to remember if there had been another time. Apparently, I've blocked thirty-one completely from my brain, but uh, I really like him coming to the ring here although i'm watching like the the vulture and it's really funny man so the vulture has his feet tied together (laughs) and and i'm pretty sure that it can't it it just cannot leave where you know that thing that it's perched on but they try to get this weird like hitchcock angle underneath the vulture when they pick it up and the vulture just fucking kicks the camera And just like get it, they get the fuck out of my face. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it's really good. Um, Randy Savage, man, I, I know what he was trying to say, but man, it's funny that, that he got it wrong. He he says, uh, "Ride the edge of the lightning bolt," and it's not like WrestleMania Nine. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure what he meant to say was it's not unlike WrestleMania Nine. Yeah. But, but him being incorrect with this quote is actually quite correct. <laughs> yes. But it's it's like his his brain is like just a fraction smarter than his mouth. <laughs> right, right. He's not aware. Um, God, we were talking about this, Will, when I called you this morning. Uh, you know, there's this weird kind of hazing thing, I think, that's going on with Jim Ross and Bobby Heenan where um, – yes. Like Bobby Heenan's got a couple of these cutting jabs at him. You know, Jim Ross is like, I've never seen this and or Undertaker like this in his entire career. And Heenan goes, Well, you've only been here three hours, you know. So, and <laughs> Jim Ross goes, Yeah, and I still haven't seen it. He goes, You're out parking cars when I got here this morning. <laughs> and uh, and then Jim Ross decides to tell us that it's a sunny day or something. <laughs> yes. yeah. and, it's a sunny Bobby day. Heenan yes, goes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> and Al Roker in the New Day. <laughs> and, and Bobby Heenan goes, yeah, thanks a lot, Willard Scott. We don't need the weather update. <laughs> but, okay, I will say this to defend Jim Ross. is he mentioned something about to our audience listening on the radio. Yes. I did not oh, yeah. know that they were doing radio broadcast to WrestleMania because he gets very... Radio play-by-play, he starts describing the Undertaker in his gray attire, or his black attire and gray boots. Like, like he gets really into it, so maybe he's trying to paint the picture for the radio yeah. crowd, but you shouldn't have your TV guy also be your radio guy. Well, um, Ross does end up on Radio WWF. That's right. Um, I think for SummerSlam of 93, they have like some weird wide shot of him and Gorilla, I think. 
Which is like, can I can I, can I have that that commentary? Because I'm pretty sure SummerSlam '93 is fucking Vince. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, so the chloroform. So Undertaker gets knocked completely out. It's he's done, and I I mean it just made me think of Monty Python. The way that you know the guys come in the ring and they're like, no, this is no good, and they just kind of like pick him up and just drag him out of the ring. Yes. You must have bring out your dead. Yeah, it's like bring out your yeah, bring out your dead man. Yeah, and and, he, and they're they're getting him onto the stretcher that's outside the ring. And it just it just doesn't look safe if if you know if there was really an issue. <laughs> it's just like yeah. yeah, just just toss him on there, he'll be fine. Um the fact that the EMTs are in togas too also kind of discredits their ability to take care of someone. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's hilarious. It, it, it's really good. And and it, it gets even better because John Gonzalez, like Randy Savage can't quite can't quite get the words to come out. He's like, we got a big problem here, man. It's and it's six foot ten and it's seven or eight feet or, or twelve feet tall. And and Bobby Heenan's like, you're saying it's 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 the Undertaker. The Undertaker's what's what's in trouble here. And, and Randy Savage goes, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, not no. You, you went all over the place on that one. And so Taker comes in, does his business, and then. Uh, I love the security guards that escort Giant Gonzalez to the back. They're like three or four 55-year-old overweight men yep, yeah. in security office. And, and they're not even like pushing them. They're just like, let's just go. Let's just, let's just, let's just get out of here. Like, and these guys don't look like they could cause any threat whatsoever to Giant Gonzalez. Um, oh, God. Okay, I'm glad I saw this. My, the last thing I'll say before I rate it, my favorite moment of, of the actual match. You know, not including like the the fight in the crowd or anything. John Gonzalez is outside the ring with Undertaker, <laughs> and he he throws the Undertaker into the ring steps. And right after he does it, he holds Gonzalez holds his hands up in the air and goes, "What does he say?" He goes, "Boom!" <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. But uh, but uh, the, the match itself, God, this is. I mean, this is the drizzling shits. Like, this is the first really bad match of the um, of of the streak. But I mean, it's they're like it's so entertaining. Uh, but I'd give it a I'd give it a three. Poor yeah. poor Taker. And if you've you know, it's it's one of those things. Like we always talk about Brett's book, but he always talks about how Undertaker was always saddled with these big goofy dumbass matches yeah. where. Taker always had to fight whoever the monster was that was hot at the time. <laughs> he actually think he put it in his book too. He said, "Oh, poor Taker, you know, <laughs> he, just, he deserved better." So, yeah. <laughs> Martin, how about you, bud? Uh, as a spectacle, it's amazing to see a guy the size of Giant Gonzalez. But then, of course, he has to actually do stuff. This. Is I I don't get how they thought this was a good idea. <laughs> I know you know Vince was going through an awful lot of shit at this point, but this is very nearly a complete car wreck. The fact that Giant Gonzalez, an eight foot like monster from the Andes or whatever the hell he's supposed to be, has to use chloroform. To wait, you know, to to get one up on the Undertaker, just undercuts everything. 
it's it is a real comedy of errors. I mean, there's even missed they even managed to miss time a stare down because <laughs> yeah. Jack Gonzalez does some kind of weird thing whilst Taker's getting his coat and hat off. So then he has to go and do it again. <laughs> they have to they have to repeat the spot for a fucking stare down. That's how bad this gets. But like I said, it's the entrance is really cool on the chariot with the vulture. The, the stage management is fucking great. Gonzalez looks like you know the abominable snowman. He's he's the, he's a yeti. Um, so it's like I said, it's very nearly a complete train wreck. It, in still photos, it's amazing. Watching it is an absolute chore. This is a two. Yeah, this doesn't get in the montage of Taker matches for the streak as they would build up throughout the years. This is not really in there with the exception of that stare down. I think that's yeah, the only right. thing they show from this match is the stare down. Because it is. It is neat that it's the first time and one of like the the only times at this point we've seen Taker look up to somebody. And that that's a cool image. It was funny when Jason was going through the eventual fate of Eligante slash Giant Gonzalez. I kept thinking it was more fitting if Undertaker was battling Wilfred Brimley's stable of diabetes, like, you know, ridden <laughs> victims. Because <laughs> Kamala, I think Kamala suffers the same fate. I think he is legless yep. at this point. Yeah. So, um, the it's ma- the insulin award. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, what did you give the match? Uh, two. two. You know, the, um, a few years ago when uh, the WWE game, when they started the they would like each one would have like a certain story because there was like the one year everything was Attitude Era, and then yes, the next the year streak. I think it was the streak. This match was left off. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it was. was, I don't was that. It, it was thirty years of WrestleMania. It wasn't mm-hmm. the entire streak, oh. but for for various political reasons, like the X Seven one isn't there, um, just because they already have like the the. Rock Austin match that you play through. So it's it's mostly like one or two if you're lucky matches. Um, in I think it's, yeah, it's WWE 2K14. And yeah, yeah it, I have when that you get one. to when you get to Mania Nine, it's uh, Bretton Yoko, and then Yoko and Hogan. <laughs> um, wow, and that's it. That's that's the only and then yeah. Um, is it, Speaking think, of, oh, uh, WrestleMania 19 isn't there? The A Train and Big Show. Right, right. that one's kind well, of. Well, speaking of Hogan, real quick, there were two things. Did you notice the fan that slapped Gonzalez on the shoulder when he was walking to the ring? Yeah. He reached yes. way over the barricade, smacked Gonzalez, and Gonzalez just stared at him, and that kid almost disappeared. <laughs> like, just, yeah, Gonzalez just. Mm-mm. But the other thing that I noticed um, the Hulk Hogan chant that started. Yeah. They wanted Hogan to come out to beat up Gonzalez, and then we hear the gong, and the crowd just, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> yeah, well, Here's, Hogan... Wait, we're getting a... Big dumb idiots. Yeah, let's get Hogan out here. Yeah. Well, fake taker hadn't happened yet, right? No. 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 I, they were like, oh, I, that was the fake taker. Here's the real taker. He's going to give yeah. us a good um, No, I get to talk about that next. So... Oh. Um, what I was going to say is the thing that's discouraging when you when you see a match like this, 
when you know what your baby face's finisher is and you look at the opponent, you're like, he's not getting him up. Oh, no. It's not happening. <laughs> you know, like, that's why. Here's, a, here's an example of how they got creative with it. Brett against Yoko, there's no way he can do the sharpshooter on the traditional way. He's going to have to be creative in how he gets it on him. So what do they do? It looks good. It's a good, it's a great spot. With Yoko being on his belly, he's able to uh, lock up his legs and put on some semblance of a, you know, of a sharpshooter. But, you know, with with Taker and Gonzalez, it's like, I don't even know just anatomically how this is going to work. Because the second (laughs) he lifts him up, like, the the weight is already going to lean back. And, you know, as we've seen in years... Years that for well, we'll see in the coming years when Undertaker is in a match with somebody. Inevitably, they're gonna you know reverse the tombstone into their own tombstone that doesn't work. But nevertheless, like it, the, it. I just kept thinking the whole time, I was like, well, what is he gonna do to this guy? And he, you know, he gets kind of that weird jumping clothesline where it's like he jump pushes him to the ground. Yeah. It looks like. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. the, the guy can't fall. He can't take a bump. Like you could do yeah. like Undertaker's reverse DDT move, like when he used to. When he needs to come off the ropes and just do that DDT real quick. You could do something like that, but yeah, like this guy just can't land. Like if he had, if he had tried to reverse the tombstone, if Taker somehow could have gotten him up, I don't think Gonzalez would have landed on his feet. Hey man, you no. ain't doing it to me. I ain't taking no, it. No, <laughs> no, uh, Taker. I, I disagree. <laughs> At some point, Taker slings Gonzalez into the corner. I think it's right before, right after he starts stomping the mud holes, and Gonzalez like squats, but he's still like a like a normal he's still person. Tall. Yeah. But he looks like he's just sitting there <laughs> taking massive shit in the corner. Just the way he's doing it. Oh, God, give me a minute. Hold on. Freaking uh. knees right above his abdomen. He's just like, oh. And <laughs> I'm wearing a bodysuit. Will, what would you rate this one? I'd give it a three. I Yeah, I mean, I'd give it a three, definitely. That's, a, that's about as high as I'll go. And real quick, because I think I got cut off. Uh, Martin, the match with Snuka, what would you give that? Oh, um... Oh, I'd, uh, I'd give that a five. Fun, okay. but... Okay. That's it. That, I'm good there. So now, Undertaker is not there for WrestleMania 10. Doesn't happen. Do we know why? It's, why is it? It's, is it injury? Because I know he is gone for... Oh, that's when he dies. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's when he's dead. Yeah. That's right. He, he carefabe dies, but in reality, he was taking time off to heal Back up some injuries. injuries. He became yeah, Marty Jannetty. Yeah. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I, I'll, 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 I'll go, yeah, I'll go <laughs> yeah. through all this before my notes. Yes. So, uh, Martin, that yep, that brings us to WrestleMania 11, yep. one of the most infamous pay-per-views, or one of the most infamous WrestleManias in history. The Undertaker mm-hmm. takes on WrestleMania 2 main eventer, King Kong Bundy. <laughs> WrestleMania, WrestleMania 3 midget match participant. Yeah, this... <laughs> <laughs> actually can kind of start in january of 94 D- but don't for a second think this is like hogan sting slow build kind of shit but in 1994 um taker has a casket match with yokozuna for the wwf title um uh, during the match every single heel in the universe comes out to beat up the taker then they lock him in the casket um, to uh, save Yoko's Martin, title. Wouldn't it have been great if just Lucifer came out and not Jake? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Instead of yelling Cobra, he just goes, me! That would... <laughs> uh, so 
so yeah, and then on the way out, we are treated to a wonderful video package of Taker, uh, uh, like a close-up of his face, supposedly in the coffin, uh, promising that he will never rest in peace until he gets revenge, <laughs> and then dying. And then, and then he dies. Yes. <laughs> and then. <laughs> and then he must. It's mostly, a cool video. Yeah. Like, I remember as a kid that scared me. Yes, it shot him like. Because it shot like, him like. It really negative. did. Yeah, because it, it shot him it like just, a negative. It just looked creepy as hell. Do you, re- <clears throat> like, do you, re- do you remember in this is going to be a really really weird reference, but Star Trek Five, right? <laughs> Whoa! Here we go! Here I'm we go! When, <laughs> when they meet God, quote unquote, in Star Trek Five, there's a little scene of Spock's brother where the mirror image walks towards the camera in a blue light. That's, that's the under- that's that the Undertaker a- video. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. No, that's cool. I always love that little bit. Yeah. yeah. Man, you ever that's- seen a Vulcan laugh? <laughs> Swagger, you, you got to come over here. <laughs> Why Kane need a starship? <laughs> oh yes, take take a dies and and he's literally raised to to heaven. Um, they actually have an Undertaker <laughs> body see double. See that coming? Yeah, an Undertaker body double dressed in full gear. Uh, that body double being Marty Jannetty. Christ knows why. Uncanny. He's, yeah. He's hoisted up into the arena rafters. Thus, Undertaker misses most of the year. In the summer of 1994, uh, Ted DiBiase is now no longer a wrestler. He is a manager with his heel stable of the Million Dollar Corporation. Um, and also, he, uh, in Taker's absence, he promises that he was the one who brought him into the WWF. He has security services again because even the dead have a price, which is a cool line. Of the good so far, yeah. Um, <laughs> and he brings out his Undertaker, and sure enough, it's a tall guy with long hair and the and the gear. Um, but Paul Bearer re- reappears at this point, saying that that is a, a faker taker, <laughs> and he's he uh, he challenges he offers up a challenge on behalf of the real Undertaker for uh, SummerSlam to face DiBiase's fake taker. This also includes a series of skits where Leslie Nielsen as Lieutenant Frank Drebin hunts around America for The Undertaker. Isn't this weird? Like, it's because this came out around the same time as Naked Gun 3. Yeah. And yet WWF never mentioned Naked Gun 3 at all. Yeah, it's weird. Well, yeah, it's a weird cross to, promotion. They refer to him as Leslie Nielsen. They don't refer to him as the character, but it's it's quite. Yeah, and the, well, George it's Kennedy a, gets in on it too. Yeah, he's uh, he's at SummerSlam. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, terrible. So, <laughs> so yes, nineteen ninety four rolls. Uh, SummerSlam nineteen ninety four rolls around, and yes, in the main event we do get Undertaker versus Undertaker. We get fake Undertaker in grey, played by uh, uh, the future chains of the DOA, Brian Lane, mm-hmm. and and then. Original Taker comes back with a, a new, a whole new look, all new tattoos and uh, and purple gloves and boots. Um, he manages to give Faker Taker three tombstones after an atrocious match because both guys are working the super slow Undertaker style. Doesn't work. Um, the original finish of which was reported to be something much better, but the Brett Owen Cage match. Um, uh, went long. The idea was that both Undertakers would lock up in the centre of the ring, 
in a test of strength. The arena lights would go out. A, a bolt of lightning would hit the hit the ring, and then when Here the lights came back on, one Undertaker would be standing. They would have merged into a, an entirely oh, yeah. Fucking <laughs> oh, it's so much better. Yes. <laughs> Just embrace it. Thus begins a feud with the various members of the Million Dollar Corporation. Um, at the uh, the nineteen ninety four, uh, no, sorry, nineteen ninety five Royal Rumble, um, during a confrontation between Taker and King Kong Bundy, who had recently returned, um, we then get the sight of IRS uh, punking Paul Bear in the face and stealing the urn. Oh no! What will Taker do now? And this brings us to WrestleMania eleven. With uh, Undertaker with Paul Bearer against King Kong Bundy with Ted DiBiase and a new, slightly bigger urn in tow. Um, this begins a, a disturbing pattern of steel urn storylines, but this is the original and is by far the worst. <laughs> King Kong Bundy looks fucking atrocious he's a big guy but he's just lumpy in all the wrong places like the back of his neck it's the back yes. of his neck that i was like what That's... is that he doesn't have hot dog you know and like the people no. get that and they get the three rolls it's one big fucking sausage yes <laughs> big old big old bratwurst just just easy big dog <laughs> so yes um wrestlemania 11 is regarded as perhaps the worst wrestlemania of all time um i would concur having watched it a few times <laughs> the the uh the the main hook of wrestlemania 11 was lawrence taylor versus bam bam bigelow in the main event yes the actual main event um, and there's a big focus on interviewing any and all NFL players they could get their fucking hands on. Uh, and so Taker's entrance is nearly preempted by an interview with just some guy. Just, just some guy who plays football with Todd Pettengill. But can we talk about how douchey Pettengill is here? <laughs> yes. oh. Yeah, go hey, on. Hey, your three-point stance? Yeah. All right, I changed my mind. Get up. Um... There is new lightning effects to Taker's entrance. That's very cool. Um, there's certain sections of, of this match with the, the cool photography that actually do carry on further, so that's the, this match does have a legacy at least. Um, but during Taker's entrance, uh, the commentary team is Vince and Jerry Lawler. Um, and Vince goes on full-on shill for a tour, a house show tour of the Far East. During like the Undertaker's entrance at WrestleMania, it's like you don't chill during this. Um, this is just almost an atrocity of a match. Bundy looks completely ineffectual. He can't attack Taker from behind. He wobbles around like like a like a, a child's toy that just one of those things that just won't fall down. Um, the this is almost entirely a storyline. There is very little action because it starts when Bundy gives Taker a, a clothesline, one of the lightest clotheslines you will ever see. He just kind of suggests to Taker to fall over the top rope, <laughs> which he does, and he lands on his feet behind DiBiase. We get the Three Stooges bit where he's like, "Oh, he's behind me, isn't he?" 
So take it. <laughs> take it grabs. Take it grabs the urn. You're like, this is what we want. We want, the, but he just grabs it like it's nothing, holds it up in the air, gives it to Paul Bearer, who takes the lid off and the light shines out of it for some reason. It would have been a lot cooler if the light were down. And yes. the people there could see the light. The only reason why you knew the light was there is you see, like, the smoke. Yes. Still- yeah. Um, but we're not done yet because... <laughs> DBRC kind of disappears up the aisle for then another member of the Million Dollar Corporation, a man, man, and I swear this is true, I've seen the vignettes where it happens, a member of the corporation described as 300 pounds of thickly muscled beef in perpetual motion. (laughs) Sounds like Joe Gertner's description. (laughs) It is. Karma, the supreme fighting machine. He runs out in his stupid little singlet and t-shirt combo, kicks Paul Bearer in the stomach. It's funny. It is. It's really funny. (laughs) Grabs the urn. The lid goes flying. He has to scrabble for it. Taker, in the ring at this point, reaches over the ropes and grabs him by the nose. Oh, yeah. We get a tug of war between Carl, this, you know, a man who's supposedly 300 pounds of thickly muscled beef <laughs> and uh, Ted <laughs> trying to get the urn, which uh, they eventually do, and then Karma d- disappears up the aisle. And in the aisle, let us not forget, not backstage, and also during the match, he has an interview with Jim Ross, an actual fucking promo. <laughs> That's not your property. Where he says he's going to melt down the urn and make it into a chain. (laughs) I love it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, New Jack was born. (laughs) 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 The the crowd throughout all of this cannot give an absolute shit. They are silent. Um, We then get an interminable minute-long headlock, <laughs> which, after an eternity, Taker manages to get out. He takes the corner avalanche, which is and isn't Bundy's finisher at the same time. Taker no-sells it. He gives Bundy a body slam, hits a flying clothesline, and that's your finish. He doesn't, he doesn't even just... He doesn't even just pin him. He hits him with the no. flying clothesline and then does the burial cover. Yeah. <laughs> no, no ceremony. <laughs> fucking nothing. This. I don't think the camera's even on the ref. Nope, it isn't. There's, when we get to WrestleMania 12, there's some fucking excellent camera work in that. This is like the yes. absolute opposite of that. This is the absence of, of talent. And it's, it's not Taker's fault. It's not Bearer's fault. They're just given such shit to work with. And this, like I said, they get the urn back, which is supposed to be the payoff, but then like immediately the urn is taken away again. And this becomes a bit of a running theme, but you don't do this at WrestleMania. This is fucking awful. This is a one out of ten. Wow. Wow. Gosh, dang. It took one Sorry, episode. Martin. One episode to because, get to a one. I love it. Yeah. 
Because at least with the Gonzalez, you get the visual of Taker having to look up at his opponent. This right. Bundy just looks fucking awful. And he's is, this even, is this even in the montage of Taker WrestleMania streak matches? Nope. The only thing that survives is there's a bit of a lightning flash with Taker doing the crazy eyes at the end that survives into like video packages. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. You yeah. are right. Yeah. Well, also, whenever uh, Taker did that entrance, I don't remember which mania it was, but it was all those uh, headstones. Uh, that were, uh, 29. Is it? No, yeah, no, 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 sorry. 29 was the caskets. Okay, yeah, there's one where there's a bunch of headstones and, and you can that read King Kong year. Bundy. That was this that year? Was, yeah, because he had was, the one for rank. Charlie, are, or was it? Oh, yeah. Charlie, yeah. do you remember it was also our year, too, at the Access, you could go see they had all the tombstones set up for Undertaker okay. well, and Triple one, H. One time they had it at ringside. <clears throat> So it was and this year. I, I, I'd forgotten. I'd, I'd really forgotten. I'm such a bad fan these yeah, days. Yeah, I don't remember that at all uh, from this year. Yeah, it's definitely towards the uh, the end of the 20s when, um, you know, you can read, like, Jake Roberts, King Kong Bundy, and I'm like, oh, they do acknowledge it, you know? And, and then there's Giant Gonzalez, and you're like, I don't know if I can count that, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, like... Three three and oh in the in the streak is just some bullshit DQ. Yeah, it's a D it's just a DQ. I mean Taker had to be basically pulled out of the ring and placed on a stretcher. You don't want to see the Undertaker on a stretcher. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Give him the thumbs up, like I'm good. <laughs> he, he's all right, folks. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> So yeah, this, uh, yeah, fuck this match and fuck this pay per view. To be honest, the only oh, good yeah. thing about this pay per view is Bob Backlund, and not in a wrestling capacity. Him, ah! him threatening to stretch ah! one of the kids from Home Improvement is quite hilarious. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> yeah, JPP son. Jason, <laughs> what do you think about this match? Oh boy. <clears throat> well, this was the week of April second, nineteen ninety five. The number one movie in America was Tommy Boy. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, an incompetent, immature, dim-witted King Kong Bundy decides to wrestle The Undertaker. No, that's not the movie description. <laughs> uh, the number one song in America was Madonna's Take a Bow. And finally, the UK streak of shitty music is broken with Take That Back for Good. Yes. So, that's a good song. Uh, this WrestleMania was the celeb... I mean, like, they had always had celebrities, yeah. but, like, sprinkled oh. throughout. But this was the first like WrestleMania of celebrities because they're in the intro package. Pam Anderson, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Jenny McCarthy, some guy from NYPD Blue, Salt, and Peppa, uh, yes. which you get amazing footage of Bret Hart with a jacket on and no shirt with Salt and Pepper all rubbing yeah. all over him. Julie, Ju- <laughs> Julie's not happy. No. Oh. <laughs> Um, there's, there's also there's also my love of black women and I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> there's also sorry there's a wonderful segment with um, Jenny McCarthy having to put her fingers in her ears because she stood next to Sid while he's doing a promo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't Sid, watch Sid is in complete uh, as I was saying mode <laughs> yeah. uh, during that. All promo. your dreams will become <laughs> nightmares. <laughs> he is freaking out the straights. <laughs> 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 what's great is during this whole opening montage of celebrities it's like they have all different ones with the 
the different WWE super, excuse me, WWF superstars. Oh my goodness. Uh, like hanging out with them. And it's the guy from NYPD blue is like having to get a handshake from the undertaker with this weird, like Batman 1960s angle camera, just sitting on him with Taker's eyes rolled up in the back of his head. And Paul Barris just hamming it up. It's great. <laughs> um, we're going to continue that like where Martin hit it on the head with the really bad camera work because it's not just the camera work. The whole production for this WrestleMania is Bush League. The mic goes out on the ring announcer first thing yes. which, when they're going to introduce the Special Olympian singing America the Beautiful, which forces Vince to have to get on his mic and awkwardly introduce her as she's singing. Oh, it's so, so, so special. It's hilarious. What makes it even more hilarious is that he goes, right after all this, when she's finished, he goes, Welcome to WrestleMania, the standard of excellence in sports entertainment, as his mic cuts in and out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. There's, there's really, uh, when it comes to the match itself, I literally think Martin covered everything that's worth talking about, um, it, other than... For some reason, with the million of football players they have, they have an American League umpire repping this match. And umpires don't make good referees because you can't tell when he's, he's slapping the mat like he's just gingerly like spanking a baby playfully. It is it is not, not my, like Mike Kyoto. No, he's <laughs> break his wrist. You owe me money. <laughs> um, but it's it's terrible. Like. You look at this, and and being that this is number four, you know the last one wasn't that good. You're going, do they hate the Undertaker? <laughs> it's, it's you know like is Vince like regretting this decision to make this character? Um, and it's just it's all out just bad. Um, you would think that that I would rather see. I don't know what happened to Ted DiBiase. I'd rather see Ted DiBiase wrestle the Undertaker. Um, I think that that would be fantastic. I mean, Paul Barrow's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, just like the urn. It's like they're they're just kind of yeah. connected. As it's mass. almost as big as his head. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's a big old boy. Uh, but it's like, I don't know. The, the Other than it looked like Taker tried to get Bundy up for the tombstone, and he went, mm-mm, I ain't taking that. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, it's just this whole time, it, just, it was really bad. Um, I don't hate on it as much. Uh, as Martin does, because one thing that is impressive is guys that are as big as King Kong Bundy will be in a match for even shorter than this, and they'll be covered with sweat. And within the last minute, that point where King Kong Bundy's got Taker in the uh, headlock forever, Bundy's not sweating. Nope. This was Mark Henry. That match, Matt would be soaked. So he gets an impressive, This that, that gives a little bit here. I give it a two out of ten. Two out of ten, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, um, I was I was blanking there for a second, because uh, I was thinking I was thinking, man, I would have rather seen Al Bundy versus the Undertaker than this. No man, no man. That's a real football star. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> in one game. <laughs> <laughs> Don't uh, you forget it, Charlie? What do you have to add to um to this match? Oh, this is a big bag of shit, man! Like this is uh this is awful. Like so, you know, I, I'm one of the defenders of WrestleMania Nine strictly because I think I think it's just amazing to me that um 
they really do go all in on that on that theme. Yep. That they have for it. And I and as cheesy as it is in very early nineties, uh I think it's commendable. So and there's and there's enough good stuff in that WrestleMania to make me want to give it a pass. Uh, but I, I, I concur. I think WrestleMania 11 is just the worst. Um, it, when the best match is Bam Bam Bigelow versus a football player, that's a problem. Because, I mean, it, you know, that match is just the same move every single time. But I still have a lot of fun with that. But that's it. Like, this is awful. And, and this match in particular, Jesus. I mean, in, in terms of, like, I guess a legacy that this thing would leave, this is the first mania where the lights go out. Yes. And that's that that's pretty cool. And like the lightning effects, I really dig that. And um, this is the first mania where he's in the purple. I like that too. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the sweat thing with King Kong Bundy. It was mentioned in an earlier mania. I think uh, we didn't mention it, and I thought it was interesting that um, Taker never really sweats, not really. No. And I love that about his character because it makes him seem like he's dead. You know, like that's one of the things that's really cool about his about his character, at least, you know, the the earlier iteration of him. Uh, This is also the first time that um, a commentator at this point, it's Vince. Vince says that he refers to The Undertaker as a man who has never lost at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. So he's 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 at least aware of it at at at, four and oh. And I've seen these documentaries before where. I think it was it wasn't until like nine or ten where where they really noticed it, and you know that's why Taker does that ten thing within the Ric Flair match. Right. Um, I do love comma kicking Paul Bear. I, I laughed out loud, <laughs> yes. and it's it's really just Paul Bear just the way he collapses, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and comma looks like he looks like he, uh, Mr. Charles Wright went all in on that kick, and. Uh, <laughs> And you can see, like, you can see Paul Bear just kind of like clutching, like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kama was really good. three hundred pounds of of muscle in a suit of perpetual oh, <laughs> motion. Three hundred pounds of thickly uh-huh. muscled beef in perpetual <laughs> motion. Whereas <laughs> Paul Bear is three hundred fifty pounds of a fat bag of shit in a cheap suit. I think. The, there's a real surreal moment in the match. I mean, you know, I love these moments with Taker matches where something will happen that just takes me completely out of not just the match, but the character. And for this match, it was when King Kong Bundy had Undertaker in that rear chin lock. I got so fucking bored. I just started <laughs> looking around at the, you know, at the frame. And there's Paul Bear in the bottom left-hand corner looking out at the crowd. And I had to, like, rewind it to, like, try to read his lips. But what he's doing is... He's looking at the crowd, like moving his hand up and down, and he's ch- and he's saying, "Rest in peace, rest <laughs> in peace." <laughs> like this is like that chant is what's going to get the Undertaker to come back. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! Like it was, I didn't say it during nine, but Paul Bear had another thing in nine where I actually heard him off camera <laughs> trying to get Bill Alfonso's attention, <laughs> and he's and. And he get, and the only thing you hear off camera is referee. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good. Well, at least like, he, at least he stayed in character. You didn't, it, didn't exactly. hear him just like, bell. Like, whenever it's it's so hard to describe sometimes why you like professional wrestling, and it's shit like that. But yeah. It's 
Like, there's nothing like that in the world to me. <laughs> Where I'm just these grown men that are basically just playing. <laughs> and, and this referee. <laughs> <laughs> They're dedicated the to the bar. Been, the only thing that would have been better is if he said, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been the best. But uh, if if I ever get enough money to start the Build a Bear a workshop, I will I will have that as a sound clip. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. Um. So anyway, the the best part about the the rest in peace chant from Paul Bear is that it never happens. (laughs) Yes. It it takes an entire year for it to happen. It happens at twelve. The crowd's just not feeling it. They're like, you know what, Paul? Uh, this, this 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 isn't going too well. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if he was wrestling a football player, we'd give it right. To right. You know, we already we already paid for our tickets. Like, isn't that enough? You know, I just <laughs> yeah. just, just leave us alone. But yeah, it's we, it's we're so here. funny. We ju- we've just seen Jeff Jarrett. It's <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, they made us watch that and Backlund screaming into the microphone. The the flying clothesline followed by the burial cover is just one of the funniest things. It just, it's, you know, cause the burial cover, I think of that as like the tombstone used to be like the most feared move in wrestling. And the only thing that yep. could follow that up with is I I'm burying you. You're dead. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, but a flying clothesline, that'll do. <laughs> damn. Right, punch in, punch out. That's what I'm about. <laughs> All right. See y'all in Albany. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, there it is. It's just so stupid that they get the urn back and then they immediately lose it. You know, yeah, it's like th- this isn't in your house five. You know, this is WrestleMania. They they should get the urn back and that be the end of it. But I do remember the like comma melting it down into like chains that he can put around his neck and yep. Just oh god, I think I I don't think the urn does the urn ever come back after that. It does. It does. It, it, they get a new one with handles. <laughs> it's got handles. <laughs> It and gets more much, elaborate much, as it goes. Yep. Yeah, and it gets much higher wattage light bulb in it for that big uh, uncovering yes. and well, man, Paul Bear turns on him, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He hits Taker with it in the head, um, which, God, that was awful. But uh, the uh, it is, I think it is a bit of a missed opportunity that if they never gave a satisfying reveal to what was in the urn. You know, after all those yeah. years of buildup, man, there was a storyline there just waiting to happen. You know, and and they never they never pulled the trigger on it. Probably because they they honestly they probably wouldn't have done anything that would have lived up to like the hype of it. So <laughs> that's, that's the monkey. The that's the exact. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, I think this is. I'll, I'll just say now this this might be the worst match that we're gonna watch. This is definitely my least favorite match on this episode. I give this a two. Yeah, I, um, I'm right there with you, man. I think a two is about is is as much as I get. This match, the one thing it could have saved this a little bit was if if Taker, if if Paul Bear doesn't have the urn, Undertaker should be vulnerable. Like yeah, Bondy right. should be domin- Bundy should be dominating him. And then the second Paul Bear gets the urn back, as hokey as it would be, Taker should then like take her up the band or whatever, and then start going on the offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Take her up the bed. <laughs> hey man, you what see? Pantomiming like he's carving a fucking coffin. 
kicker of the band. So like he would he would all of a sudden just go on the offensive, and it'd be awesome. And then the moment that he loses the urn, you know, then like he's he, again like he's on the brink of being defeated, and then somehow is able to salvage a victory. That's why it would make that ending okay. He wins with a clothesline. Not his strongest stuff, but it keeps that storyline going because obviously he's got to go get that urn back in order to be, mm-hmm. you know, the the real tough as nails Undertaker. That would be the that'd be a neat way to do it. I mean, at the same time, like I, I mean, I don't know if that really occurred to them at the time because it just seems like they're just trying to get through this match. Just like everybody, just seems like they're just trying to get through this WrestleMania. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. so you know, I mean, easily. Uh, I mean, th- this is a substantially worse match than the other one, unbelievably. So, yeah, I would definitely say it's it it's worthy of a two. So, I think where does that leave us now? That Charlie, are you going to average him and then see which one ranks the highest until the lowest? I think it's yeah, I'm doing pretty, it right now. It's pretty clear cut at this point. So, I mean, overall though, looking at Taker going from WrestleMania seven through eleven, like. You're starting to see the evolution of the characters. Offense is getting a little bit more, a little more varied because in the first mania, like it's choke and punch, and a clothesline and then a tombstone. There's not a lot of variance. Heck, have uh, here's a question: Have we seen old school yet? Yes, yes. but at this it point, it's just called school. Right. <laughs> right. <No. laughs> yeah. Middle school. School. When does he do it? He did it he to Giant did, Gonzalez. I think he did it to uh, Jake too, didn't he? Yeah, and he did it immediately in uh, against Bundy. It's like the uh, thir- third move of the match is. I don't is remember the school. the Jake one. Uh, I remember the Gonzalez and the Bundy one. Both of those looked awful. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it like Taker looks like he's jumping right into the shoulder. <laughs> right, <laughs> move you fuck. <laughs> so he's got he's got a couple of interesting signature esque moves, but. He's not quite there yet. And that's what's going to be fun with the next pack of matches because he really unpacks some offense. And it's going to be just interesting to see starting with... We're going to start with... um, Starting with 12 is Diesel. And then we'll do WrestleMania 13, Sid. WrestleMania 14, Kane. And then probably... I mean... Oh, boy. You know... You know, I oh I threw the label out there earlier about infamous, but this might be the most infamous WrestleMania match for The Undertaker just because of what is now considered canon and what isn't with this match. Yes. Um, yeah, you want to talk about a match that's never talked about anymore. Right. There you go. The Undertaker yep. versus the Big Boss Man. Hell in a cell at WrestleMania. Wow. At the very least, at the very least, we get to discuss Ministry of Darkness. Very true. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, Charlie, are you ready? Do you know where we're at on these? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're good. Uh, so, Will, you have it at the uh, highest with your rankings. You have it at 20. Jason, yours is it at 18. I'm at 19. Martin, you're at 16. And, you know, these are out of what? I guess, I, yeah, they're out of 40. So, uh, we... Uh, Actually, the better way to do it would be to talk I'm about I'm confused. The I'm a little confused, yeah, yeah, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I sorry. Think, yeah. We're all around the same mark. So, <laughs> Jason Forbes. <laughs> God damn. I've been, up, I've been up since 6 o'clock. I haven't had my coffee. <laughs> Jason has it at 4.5. Will, 5. I'm 4.75. Martin, 4. So, um, 4.56 on match rating. So, which one? So, 
based on our rankings right now, I'm just guessing, is it WrestleMania 8, WrestleMania 7, WrestleMania 9, WrestleMania 11? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's mm-hmm. where we'll start with with the next four to see like where like how this gets readjusted cuz definitely like a cup at least I d- damn near say 3 out of the 4 are probably better than WrestleMania 8. Yeah, probably. I'm not sure. I'm just yeah. I'm just speaking off. Yeah, uh, that, that's arguable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that'll be really that that'll be and of course, I think it's by the It'll be probably pack four, where it's just uh, yeah, it'll uh, be a long one. Re- yeah, yep. the fourth pack, of, the fourth episode. I mean, pretty much like you're going to be splitting hair. Well, I'm not going to say splitting hairs, but they're all really good matches, right? It's going to be very obvious where Undertaker's Mania matches peak. Yes, yep. very true, mm-hmm. very true. So this was cool. I'm glad we, we we have gotten through the first pack. We'll be picking up next time with again WrestleMania 12, 13, 14 and 15. So, um in the meantime, we're still at New Blood Pod on Twitter. We're on Facebook at New Blood Rising Podcast. Uh you can t- Before before all that, congratulations on the boat. Oh, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yep, that's out there. It's on my Twitter. Yep, you can pick up a uh, 99 cents. It's the the cheapest I could possibly make it. Uh, on Amazon, the my novel, The Rumors of My Demise, a book about working in the movie theater so many years ago. But um, in the meantime, like I said, we're on the we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and uh, you of course can continue to email us, newbloodrisingpod at gmail.com. We still have the T-shirt available, uh, the mm-hmm. dis- disappointing taker season four shirt. That is at teespring.com/slash/disapprovingtaker. <laughs> um, so um, I think that's right otherwise it's on our Twitter you can find it on there you can find the link to it but um, I myself I'm at William Rinkin 83 I'm at the Jason Kiesler and before I finish check out our Facebook coming up this week we're going to start a new little feature deep thoughts with the Undertaker so that's going to be fun <laughs> be ready to check on that um, that's news to me <laughs> oh yeah yeah um but uh, and uh, if you've got that piece of crap WWE 2K18, I'm going to put some of our uh, New Blood logos up on the Xbox version. Uh, just search the hashtag New Blood Pod. Then we can pull it out so we can give yourself a disapproving Taker shirt in the game, or uh, make a right. yeah, make a New Blood Arena. Um, so we'll have some cool stuff up there. Cool. All right, and I'm at CM underscore Stabs. Uh, and I'm at Bunny Suicida. And we'll see you guys next time for episode two of our look at the streak in season four. No. Do not proud. The spirit of the Undertaker lives within the soul of all mankind. The eternal flame of life that cannot be extinguished. The origin of which cannot be explained. The answer lies in the everlasting spirit. Soon all mankind will witness the rebirth of the Undertaker. (laughs) 